This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own now time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing, a podcast where we answer the most common money and investing questions from our community. If you have joined us for the very first time, a huge welcome. We do strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. Now, while we are licensed, we're not aware of your financial circumstances, so any information on this show is for entertainment and education purposes only. But with that said, my name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. Very excited to see you. First time we've seen you this week. Yes. Yeah, you've been MIA. No, I saw you on Monday. Well, working from home. <laughs> True. Saw you through a screen. Yeah. But the reason that you've been MIA is because you bought a house. Mm-hmm. You and your partner bought a house. Um, Harriet. And you, your wife, I should say, bought a house. Yes. <laughs> um, and you've been moving this week. We have. Yeah. I'm knackered. Absolutely right. You, you're looking pretty sharp. You you got a new haircut. We were commenting on that. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got the haircut. If that's not a sell to go and watch us on YouTube, <laughs> I don't know what is. Got the haircut. Got uh, got the mo still going. Yes. Yes. November. Um, but today we wanted to uh, talk about the home buying journey because you've bought a house, I've bought an apartment, and we've learnt a lot. And I think a lot of people listening uh, would be thinking about buying a house wanting to buy a house in the future or just wondering what you need to do. Mm. And we certainly learned a lot over the last, I don't know, six months, call it. For me, I would say over 12. Fair enough. But it has been a massive learning experience. It's been an exciting one. It's been a draining one for me anyway. Yeah, I think we're both both happy with the result. Yeah. So um, before we get into what we've learned, how much did you spend on your house? (laughs) (laughs) And what's your address? No comment. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I mean, you you said it's a draining experience over 12 months. Mm. I think before you get into specific lessons, like give us the story. So I would say over in November of 2022. A year ago. A year ago (laughs) was when we first touched base with a mortgage broker to try and get approval for a pre-approval and just understand what our borrowing capacity was. Because up until that point, we were throwing things into mortgage calculators online and really felt like we needed a level of professionalism to actually tell us this is the ballpark you're playing with. So we did that. And then it took us a year of of searching. 
essentially. So uh, for people uh, unfamiliar, Bryce has a – in our friendship group, he has leskyisms where he takes two sayings and jams them together and there have been some crackers over the year. I think uh, ballpark you're playing with is in. one of them. <laughs> yeah, ballpark you're playing this with is the, and the numbers you're playing. This is the – Ballpark you're playing in, in. numbers you're playing with. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, ballpark sorry, continue. So you spoke to a mortgage <laughs> so broker. So we spoke to a mortgage broker, um, Chris, who we, I would highly recommend. We can um, give you his details if you would like. And and then we knew sort of what the figure was that we were <laughs> playing with, ballpark we were playing yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we started looking and it took us about a year to find something. To be fair though, we did have a European trip and our trip to the US to see um, Warren sort of interrupt that. But um, paused the golf membership and we landed on something in October. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, there were some fits and starts in that time. I remember we were in the office one week and you had to keep cutting out because there was a, <laughs> for want of a better term, a rundown shack that mm. you were considering buying. Mm. But then you eventually decided, you took a builder through it and you decided that there was going to be too much mm. renovation. Mm. And I think it's hard to get builders at this point to do renovations. Blew my mind, the yeah. renovation costs. Yeah, so you're right. One of my key lessons, and I was told this right at the start from Chris, is in property, I guess just like investing though, you know, Warren Buffett not swinging at everything, but patience is a virtue. A, because you're just spending so much money, you don't want to buy something that in six months you're going to be like, we made a mistake. And B, you just generally get to learn the market and understand like what you, you, you form your own opinion on value, I think, because value is just what essentially you're going to pay for it. And, and yeah, well, I mean, and comparable like, sales but it's in like the you, area. You're all, you're all weighting different things, you know, like some people value being close to a bus stop a lot and other people don't give a shit about it. Like, it's just mm. like your perception of value is your perception of value. Yeah. And well, it's to that point, the, the weighting of things like being patient, you really get to understand like what you're actually looking for. Mm. Because I think what we started looking for, we, I kept every single pamphlet from open homes that we went to. <laughs> we had four, of course you did. I think we had 42 pamphlets. So we did that I kept, so we okay. had 42 um, inspections. And uh, it was really interesting to see what we started looking at versus what we ended up getting. Which way did the trajectory go? Did you start looking at places that were out of your price range and you came back to a more realistic home? No. Or, <laughs> oh, you went the other way? Yeah. Well, oh. I think the, my other lesson, and I don't know how far we want to go into here before we hear your story. No, no, let's go through your lessons and then I, I can talk about mine. After. Okay. Well, my, my other big lesson, which comes off the back of having a good advisor, is understanding actually how you can structure a loan or structure your circumstance and so that you can probably move into a different price bracket and still have the same cash flow position. Okay. Well, I mean, that people are wondering how, what's, what magical structure have you done that allowed you to buy <laughs> so, more house? So we were, I mean, we're very, very, and Rich. A, no, very, <laughs> well, very privileged that we had help from our parents and that allowed us to put down a deposit, but also then have some cash on the side. Now, our original thinking is you just want to put as much of your cash straight into your deposit. So you're borrowing the l smallest amount possible. Okay. And that's just how we were thinking. You want as, 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 li as little debt as possible. Mm -hmm. we, and we knew that offsets existed, but we didn't really get our head around it. And we just, we're just like, it just makes psychological sense that we, we yep. want to borrow as yep. less as possible. 
But then through sort of our mortgage broker, he, they, they sort of showed that by putting down just your deposit that is required. Yeah, yeah. So your wife is a lawyer, so you get the 5% deposit. Yes, we yeah. put down a bit more, but we didn't put down all the money that we had. Yeah. And so then you're obviously going to borrow the remaining, which is more than we needed to borrow. But what it then means is the cash sitting on the side is treated as an offset and it essentially reduces the interest that you pay on that loan. What it does do, though, is you we've structured it so that we just pay the interest component of the loan and then the principal repayment comes out of our offset account. And so it means that the total servicing, we're not actually paying the full total servicing amount. Right. So you're just you're just going to draw down the offset. Yeah, we'll just draw down the offset as long as we keep up with the interest payment and obviously that offset has a terminal life on it and then it gets to a point in zero and then we have to pay the total servicing amount. So essentially what it allowed us to do was borrow more and then essentially cover the difference with some of our funding, if that makes sense. And then that got us to a higher price point. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm still trying to get my head around that maths because you're still paying interest on a higher amount. The net borrowing is... No, no, because like, let's say round numbers. Let's say if you didn't have to, uh, if you were going to put all that money into a deposit, let's say then you would have only had to borrow $500,000. But because you're doing it your way, you had to borrow $750,000. You're still paying interest on the higher loan amount. You're paying interest on the seven fifty, dollars not the five hundred. dollars Yeah, yeah. You're paying, yes. But your monthly repayments are less until that extra cash in the offset is drawn down. Well, you're, you're paying more towards principal to start with. Let's just say we wanted to pay $4,500 a month. That was our cash flow that we wanted to pay. Um, and you could we could scale that to six or whatever okay, it means. I see where this is going. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that means we'll pay the interest on that. But if the total repayment is for ease of numbers ten grand a month, that the other six comes out of the, the offset, offset account. Yeah. Yeah. Does that mean you're going to have a balloon payment at some point when that offset is drawn down to zero, and then all of a sudden you have to start paying paying principal and interest, and it goes from four and a half to ten? The total repayment doesn't change month on month. It's just what Harriet and I contribute to the total repayment. So no. yes, it will get to a point yeah. where the offset goes to zero. Yeah. and Harriet and I will have to pay the full the repayment amount. Yes, yeah. yes. We're not using real numbers here, but yeah. Yes, yeah. So, when, but so that, are you worried that, about that? No, because the, 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 no, we're not, no. Must be, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, all you need to do is keep up with it. But also the other thing is the way that the... Op- all you need to do is keep up with it. <laughs> Bryce's message to mortgage holders Australia-wide. Well, no, like you, if, you start, if we start not paying the interest, then you really start falling behind. Yeah. Yeah, big time. And so that was a big learning for us just because, and I know it's not, it's a very, I guess, privileged position to be in because I I imagine most times your your entire money just goes towards the deposit. Look, we've both bought real estate in this market. There is an element of privilege to this conversation, which we both just have to acknowledge. But I think it's still a worthwhile conversation to have because I think a lot of people listening want to buy a house or in the process of buying a house. Mm-hmm. So psychologically, it's that was probably the biggest thing for us to get over, knowing that there's going to be a much larger total loan in the um, ANZ net banking. Yeah, I reckon psychologically that would be. And that took us a while to kind of understand, but then it allowed us to go, well, we can essentially move up the so don't tell us don't tell us actual numbers but on a percentage basis doing it that way how much more house could you buy like how much more could you spend 
Um, like 50% more or like... No, probably 35% more. So that's that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. What, like three or four more bedrooms for you then? <laughs> <laughs> no. And then finally, this is obviously in hindsight, but uh, we were very conscious from the beginning of having a very wide berth when it came to factoring in our interest rates. Yeah, so... Um, we use the same mortgage broker. When they first sent our estimate, they stress tested it on one interest rate rise. Wow. They were like, here's the rate that the bank is giving you. And if interest rates go up 25 basis points, here's what your repayment, here's what your repayment would be, which I felt wasn't a meaningful stress test. So what did you factor? Like when you, you would have been given an interest rate probably with a five in front of it when you first got your estimate. What did you stress test it yourself at? Well, when we did it a year ago, I think it had a four in front of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then and then the other thing is every time you uh, you get your pre-approval and you have to keep renewing it. And because we were doing it for over a year, we had to keep renewing it. Uh, we did, we started out at 2%, like, t- like if it was four, we were doing six. Yep. As interest rates increased, I think we became a little less committed to the full two. So we st- we've done it up to one and a half. If it gets to one and a half, though, it's like we're in tr- we're in a bit of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah that we definitely factored in more than if the RBA were to do zero point two five percent. I think this is the the other thing. It's like no one tells you what to do in these situations. Like you need to do it yourself. Yeah. And be, and be yeah. comfortable with it yourself. I mean, not to talk ill of the mortgage broker, but I was a little bit cynical when you were talking about the structuring of the loan because. It's great that it allowed you to borrow more and buy more and it sounds like you you did the work and it works. It also works for the mortgage broker because they just get a commission from the lender on how much you borrow. No, no, but it's the net loan that they get commission on. Not so if they... No, no, it's not like ANZ know how much you're going to park in your offset on day two of having the offset account. No, but they do it monthly. They get monthly commission, so they know exactly how much is in my offset every oh, month. Oh, sorry, but the upfront would be based on the, the gross loan and then, sure, okay, then it's net from there. Yeah. I reckon they made more doing it that way is what I'm saying. I mean, that's the industry. Yeah, but if it works for you, that's fine. Mm. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just... It's a watch out. It was just like, to your point around, no one's going to tell you what to do understanding how incentives work yes. in any financial yeah. transaction matters. Yeah. Well, just to close out on the broker bank piece as well, the biggest lesson we had at the start was the number that you're given in terms of your borrowing capacity for us was nowhere near what we could afford to service. Yeah. And so it was a very easy to get excited and be like, oh, my God, we have all this money. Then when you plug it in, it's like, oh, my God, how are we going to pay for that? The bank doesn't say this is what you can actually afford to pay. They just say, based on your income and a rough estimate of your outgoings, we can give you this much money. Mm. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's take a quick break here. And then on the other side, I'll share my story and what I learned. And I guess how I did it a little bit differently to you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, welcome back to Get Started Investing. We are talking about the start of a whole new investing journey. We are more levered and more concentrated in our portfolios than we have ever been and we will likely ever be again uh, because we have both taken our first steps into the property market. Mm. And whilst we mainly talk about the stock market here, obviously property property investing, buying land in Australia is <laughs> is the dream. Yes. And so we thought we'd talk about our experiences and what we've learned. Uh, we just heard all about your very patient, very long-term experience of what, 12 plus months? Yeah, not the longest out there though. No, we spoke to Andre Botas uh, from Eubank on this podcast a couple of months ago mm. and he said he was looking for more than two years. Yeah. 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 That would do my head in. I know. It would it break. Would. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're looking every weekend. Fuck especially that. if like it, the, the news at the moment is just prices are up, record levels of immigration, record low levels of supply, rents are up, prices are up. Like that headlines would break me. Mm. Well, it was tough and I wasn't even looking for that mm. long. Yeah. Mm. Well, tell us about your story, Ren, because you signed on the on the dotted line only a matter of weeks ago. Yes. And yours, you had a different experience, a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah, a lot quicker, but lengthier in other points. So my partner and I started, we, we engaged with a mortgage broker at the start of, at the front end of this year, 2023, but it took me ages to get my pre-approval. And um, I think this is the, the first lesson is, engage with a mortgage broker early because the, a long story short, I bought an interest-free laptop through Apple and Latitude Financial just... Which you paid off. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. I, which I paid off. They started charging me interest, so I paid it off all in a lump sum. Then they kept charging me account fees even though I'd paid it off. And because I thought I'd closed it and I had paid all the money off, then I wasn't paying it. And so then they hit my credit score. Anyway, back and forth, back and forth, months of going to Latitude and uh, it wasn't, but anyway, got my credit repaired, got, got it fixed. Didn't have to go to a credit repair specialist, which was nice because they charge an Is that a rate. thing? Yeah. Yeah. A credit repair yeah, specialist. They basically Sounds like lo- a, they basically a mechanic just, down the street. I don't know. I don't, but it's like a big business because- People need good credit scores. Yeah. To yeah. borrow and stuff like that. But- my biggest lesson is just be politely annoying. Just don't give up. Never give up <laughs> and keep asking to speak to someone more senior and politely write. And uh, when you're going back and forth on email, don't let emails lapse. Like just keep following up, keep following up because the company can't close the account. Yeah. If uh, Yeah. And just keep asking for documents and like latitude. Eventually, they, they basically made a business decision that it was too annoying to keep corresponding nice. with me. <laughs> the impact would have been that you couldn't have got a loan or oh, it, it would have been less than you were... No, it just it would have been like a non-bank lender and okay. the interest rate would have been higher. Higher, gotcha. Yeah. So engage your mortgage broker early, figure out if there's any issues, get those issues sorted. And so that's that's my first lesson. Anyway... Once we did get pre-approval, things moved pretty quickly from there. Uh, so we, we live in Coogee at the moment renting and we want to stay by the beach. We really like Maroubra and it felt like it was more in our price range. So we were speaking to the mortgage broker about buying there and he was like, look, I don't know that area that well. There are some buildings which are great and then some which are pretty 
not great. There's a buyer's agent in that area that I think you should work with. And we were pretty skeptical about the whole buyer's agent thing because you've got to pay them up front. It comes out of your pockets, doesn't come out of, you can't like capitalize it into the mortgage or anything like that. So it feels like a lot of money. Mm. But we spoke to him, we decided to go ahead with it and we had a really good experience. And so I think the second lesson is you get what you pay for. And he more than made his money. So we bought off market. Um, so it wasn't on domain or real estate, which meant there were no other bidders and it meant, and he got us access because he knew the real estate agent. Mm-hmm. So that was really valuable to us. But then he also negotiated mm. and he got us a lower price and was listed. So I think we never went down the route, got very, very close to doing it because we were just at a, at a our wits end kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I think one thing that you said that sort of stuck with me and it's like, I wish I'd thought of that or has someone else had told me, you know, six months into it is just the re- the dynamic between the buyer's agent and the agent in an off-market listing, the relationship there is completely different to an agent and you, like if I was at an open home. Mm. And I think that's like, it feels like the agent is much more open to trying to work with the buyer's agent to somewhat get a good price because the relationship with the a- buyer's agent means long-term, yeah. more clients, you know, you, you don't, you, you want to be buddies with the buyer's agents. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can see how the balance of power kind of shifts there a bit. There's also, there's also a, and we were speaking to Frank, the buyer's agent about this, and there's sort of some real estate agents will try and maximize what they make from every listing. And so they will never sell off market. They will take it to auction. They'll never sell before auction. They want that competitive tension. They want mm. as many mm. contracts in market as possible mm. because they want to maximize the amount that they make on each listing. And then there are some real estate agents that will just try and get a fair price, but they work in a, they're like a volume business. Yeah. And so if they can avoid the listing fees, paying yeah. REA and domain, paying an auctioneer, if they can avoid all that cost for their client, and they can get a good price and move, mm, that's mm. their business. And they're the agents that buyers agents want to work can with. be productive with. Yeah. Because then like everyone feels like you know, maybe they didn't get, you know, as good a price as possible as a buyer, as good a price as possible as a seller, but they got a price that they're happy with and then everyone moves on. And so that's kind of the the game that we were in. I'll actually I'll show you. So there there were two places that we really liked. He actually so he picked he we had this one Saturday where we saw 10 places he organized our saturday picked us up in his car drove us around great experience (laughs) (laughs) half of them were on market and so there's that competitive tension everyone looking around people asking for contracts and you're like over overhearing that conversation and being like oh they're probably going to put an offer in we've got to move quickly and then the other half were off market places it was just us the buyer's agent and the real estate agent and it's like the dynamic, the balance of power shifts. Yeah. All of a sudden, the real estate agent is there trying to convince you to buy rather than not caring about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there were two places that we liked and we were re- really tossing up which one we wanted to go with. One of them was on market and Frank was like, it's going to go to auction. Anyway, it did go to auction last night and we, we messaged him and we're like, what did this place go for? Have a look at the amount of messages that got back. Uh, he's messaging you. I'm at the auction. The bid. So, this so is what the bid starts at, and then it's just bid, 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 bid. <laughs> he sends through all the bid yeah. prices. <laughs> it was like 50 messages of just the price, the price, the price. So that's uh, <laughs> that's what we avoided by by buying off market. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So one one final thing with the buyer's agent, you know, we we're talking earlier about understanding incentives and um, you know, I was pretty cynical about so a buyer's agent normally gets a percentage of the purchase price. Yeah. And that made me pretty cynical because isn't there you yeah. want them to be representing your interests and get as low a price as possible. Yeah. But doesn't that incentive structure set them up to yeah. get as, as high. high a price as possible to try yeah. and push you to borrow more, get you in a higher price point, overpay. And I that was probably my biggest reservation. But the, the I guess speaking to a few people and trying to get my head around it and what I guess made me comfortable in the end was that because these guys all specialize in such localized areas and they rely on word of mouth, if people all of a sudden are unhappy with them, feel like they overpaid, got a shitty building, you're done. It's not like you can just move on to the next one. Yeah. Because you're dealing with a local, like a pretty local community um, and the same real estate agents over and over again. And so that like brand building and reputation matters more than like squeezing the lemon on each transaction. Mm. And so, I don't know, some people might not agree with that take and be more cynical about it, but that's where I sort of, mm. I guess, got comfortable enough. And, and we had a really good experience and we were really happy. So yeah. that's the main thing. If I was to do it again, I'd definitely get one, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. All anyway. right. So um, engage mortgage broker early and you get what you pay for. So what's the, uh, what's the next lesson? So I think my final lesson is just have more cash than you think. And this is probably <laughs> like I was just underprepared, but it was, so I, we only needed a 5% deposit. Mm -hmm. um, Alice, my partner, is a doctor. So that was uh, nice. So for people unfamiliar, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you can avoid the LMI, the lender's mortgage insurance. Yeah. So you can borrow up to 95%. Yeah. But then uh, on top of that 5% 5, 5 deposit, basically double that amount because of stamp duty. Yes. Then we obviously paid the buyer's agent. Uh, but then, you know, lawyer's costs mm -hmm. and there's a lot of cash that you need up front. Uh, yeah. Do you have to pay your, your strata up front? Like your foot when you move in? Don't know. Should ask. Because <laughs> when, <laughs> we, when, we, when we settled, we had to pay out like the rates and the water and wherever it landed in that quarter, like I think we were pretty early in the quarter okay. or late in the quarter. So they do like a, you know, do, you owe 80 days of rates. Do you have strata? No. Oh. But we have rates. I yeah, don't know. Okay. If, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. If, if, but I think the big difference, the thing that we didn't factor into our numbers at all that's not, not cooked us, but we just didn't factor it in was building insurance. We had to yeah. have, you had to sh show that you have insurance to get the loan. Yep. And I don't know if it's different because you have strata. So we have to do that as well, but we just have to email our strata yeah, and get yeah. insurance, yeah. And because part of your building insurance is replacement cost, what, what, how much would it cost to replace your house if it burnt down? Because all of the materials and uh, labor at the yeah, moment yeah. is through the roof, we got a couple of builders in to have, well, we just consulted a couple because all the calculators online, the insurers, the insurance companies were like way too low, way too low. Mm. And all these builders came in and it was just like, it just cooked the numbers because they're just saying, if you, we were literally to do this today, um, as it is, it's going to cost uh, like way, way more than it was five years ago. We just didn't factor that in. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, so that's a learning. Yeah, that is. And then there's one more cost. You mentioned settlement costs uh, before we started recording. And I said, save that because we, we should talk about it. It's not a lot. What is it? It's one of those stupid admin costs. Like there's a system called PEXA. Oh yeah, that that's does, not stupid. does all the stuff in the background yeah. and you're just paying PEXA. 
yeah. I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, for people unfamiliar with PEXA, it's like digital conveyancing. It makes sure that you have the title to the building. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yes. a, lot, it's a lot better than the old system, which is paper-based title. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have here 903 was our total for transfer and reg fees and bits and pieces. So, okay. yeah. So in the scheme of things. In the grand scheme of things, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I anyway. think that's probably enough. Um, I think we've learned a lot. I think start early, be patient, uh, and get good people around you is probably the, the key takeaways. Mm. This isn't a journey that you have to go on solo. Finn. <laughs> well, no, it's like the beginning of the end. No, 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 the end of the beginning. It's like we've now got our first step. And yeah, now, it's the exciting part. Yeah, yeah. and then the drudgery of paying up a loan comes next. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a lot of... Um, stay tuned. In six months, tuned. you'll hear the next episode, we defaulted on our mortgage. <laughs> yeah, we've sold. <laughs> what did we learn? <laughs> anyway, uh, join the conversation with us at, on the Equity Mates Discussion Facebook page. Otherwise, Ren, great to chat, and we'll, we'll pick it up next week. We'll be back with your regular, regular scheduled stock market investing program yes, next week. sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.